Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is giving one of the multiple iterations of his testimony. And in this one, we get some behind the scenes footage. We only heard from Ananias in just a few verses in Acts chapter 9. But now Paul is giving his testimony and he's tailoring the delivery in such a way that he knows makes the most sense and resonates the best with his audience. And we get the behind the scenes look at more of what Ananias said to him when he came to believe. This is Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 11. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand to those who were with me and went into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there. See, he's speaking to an, an, uh, the, the credibility of Ananias. Uh, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. And he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So the larger picture of what Ananias said can be found in what we covered in our series on the book of Acts. So uh, find that at JCM's website. But for now, I want to talk about this aspect as it pertains to our series on baptism. He said, get up and be baptized. And he asked, why are you delaying? And it carries with it the clear understanding that there's no reason to delay being baptized. You believe in Jesus, you get baptized. That was the case in Acts chapter 8. That's the case in Paul's testimony. That's the case in Acts chapter 16 with Lydia's family and the Philippian jailer's family. That's the case here, according to Paul, in his own testimony. Why are you delaying? But I understand fully the motives of churches that put up little hurdles between the confession of Christ and the baptism. Those are the best intentions in the world. Because we imagine someone who makes a confession of faith, but it seems like maybe they were just caught up in emotion, or they were getting baptized because everybody else is getting baptized. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no conviction for sin. There's no repentance from sin. There's no spiritual fruit. And we don't want them to have this like official stamp from the church on their conversion when they don't actually have the Holy Spirit of God. And they go their whole lives in just flagrant rebellion against God, but they look back on their, their own history and they're like, it's okay, I'm covered. I've got this thing where like I was dunked in water. Like truth be told, if you don't believe in Jesus and you get baptized, you just got wet, man. That's all you really got. You just got soaked. That's all that really happened. But there's no biblical model for a seminary degree, you know, between conversion and baptism. In fact, there's an urgency to follow conversion with baptism. We even have a term that we made up in the modern American church. I don't know if it exists. Any, if you're from overseas, let me know if you have the same kind of thing happening. We call it spontaneous baptism. Like we came up with a name for it, like, like we invented this new thing and we call it spontaneous baptism. Where like somebody comes to the altar and gives his life to Christ and he's wearing jeans, but he's going home in board shorts because we're going to, board shorts, by the way, is a Florida guy term for like your swimsuit, swim trunks. What do you guys call them here? I don't know. Do people swim here? Do people swim? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you're going home in board shorts because you just got saved today. And we call that spontaneous baptism. I think that most Christians, most believers would call that, that's baptism. 
So it's out of the best intentions in the world that we put up this barrier, but the one barrier that I feel convicted to put up is just the question, have you confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? When I was at a church in Orlando, I wanted us to do this. I wanted us to enact this. We spent all this time teaching the same kind of series that I've been teaching now, John, Acts, apologetics, evangelism, and then, you know, basic doctrine like baptism. And we had these big events that were evangelistic, and one of them was based around baptism. And uh, I, I recruited this team to act as what I called lazy goalies. And the lazy goalies would just ask that one question as we would open up the, the baptist, we baptized 25 people and then opened it up for more. Spontaneous baptisms, as we call them. And the one thing that the team would ask before giving somebody a t-shirt and, and, and a pair of board shorts and a towel is, have you confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? The other thing that the lazy goalies would ask were, you understand, baptism does not save you. Because if somebody came from the Church of Christ background, they may misunderstand what's happening in baptism. Right? They believe that the act itself is a sacrament, meaning it's the vehicle by which the grace is conveyed, and that the act itself is what saves you. This would be a form of legalism. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and get baptized, you will be saved. That's not what Romans 10.9 says. We believe that baptism is an outward expression of the covenant that's taken place in our hearts, but it is not in itself salvific. The other thing that my lazy goalies would do is just keep an eye out for people who had been baptized over and over again, because we'd want to sit down with that person in council and ask what's really going on, make sure they understand that baptism's not salvific. There were some people from the special needs community, for example, that would sometimes really gravitate toward a spontaneous baptism event, and instead what they would do is put them to work, give them a towel, you know, like, hey buddy, we've already baptized you like twice. Why don't you just help us hand out t-shirts, towels, things like that. And so they were a part of it. It was really, really cool. But that was all that my lazy goalies would do. Beyond that, if someone comes up and makes a proclamation of faith publicly, I have confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's between them and God, whether or not they're bearing false witness. I cannot separate the wheat from the weeds. That's what God does at the end of the age. I cannot separate the sheep from the goats. That's what the shepherd does at the end of the age. Now I just follow the Great Commission and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the name of the Holy Spirit. So there is no reason to delay baptism. Your great aunt doesn't have to be there for your baptism to be sacred, special, God-honoring. You don't have to wait until you've gone through some sort of catechism. There's nothing in the Bible about a catechistic barrier between conversion and repentance. There wasn't for Paul. There wasn't for Lydia. There wasn't for the Philippian jailer. There wasn't for the Ethiopian official. There wasn't for anyone in the biblical narrative. And so I do what I can to protect us from legalism that says, okay, sign up for this 12-week course, and if you pass it, maybe we'll baptize you. The truth is we could be putting up an unnecessary barrier. And I know this because having been a pastor for not all that long now, 14, 15 years, I've seen a lot of people who didn't feel like they were ready to be baptized. And so they postpone it for like 10 years, 15 years. Like that's not the will of God. So we just at the Redemption Church had an event that we called initially baptism for procrastinators. And it's because there are a lot of people out there that just put off their baptism. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you what Ananias asked Paul. Now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized. Get up and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name.
why are you delaying? Let's go.